Welcome to the Bethel Christian Church Message of the Week. But if you have your Bibles, turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1. We're going to be reading in verses 13 and 14, and we'll begin reading there in a moment. But this morning, we're continuing in our Rise series. And the title of my sermon is Bible-based. It's one of our core values here. Uh, if you were with us two weeks ago, you would have heard our first sermon of the series. Pastor Eric uh, led us, uh, or talked about uh, Holy Spirit living, of how we're Holy Spirit led in everything that we do. Uh, and today we're talking about how we're a Bible-based church. Uh, and, and just so you know, out in our foyer, each of our core values are posted uh, on the walls. So you can, you can always look to those and see uh, the different core values we hold to here at Bethel. Um, but we define Bible-based as so. We said we commit to being biblically sound in everything that we do. God's word is holy and powerful, and we ultimately want his word to speak and not our own. We are a Bible-based church. Bethel is a Bible-based Everything we do is grounded and founded on uh, the scriptures. I want to ask you a question. When you were younger, uh, probably elementary school age, uh, do you remember playing the game of telephone? Anyone remember? A couple of us? There we go. All right, we got a few of us who played um, and you know, I remember playing as a kid, and, and a lot of times right, the teacher would uh, come up with a phrase, and then she, he or she would uh, you know, tell one of the students quietly, and then the student would have to tell another student, and they just go down the line of the entire class. And, um, and by the end of it, the teacher would ask the last student, uh, you know, what was the phrase? And most times, the phrase was so wildly incorrect. Right? It started in one way, and then it got all misconstrued and, and, and different, and by the end of it, the phrase was something totally different. And, 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 and you would just see that when you play that game, it's very hard. I don't think I've ever played the game of telephone as a kid, and, and, and as a class, we got it right. I don't, never remember getting it right. Um, but, uh, and the reason is for that is because, the, uh, because most of the students never get to hear the source they never get to hear from the source. They're always hearing the phrase from someone else. Uh, they're, they're hearing it from someone who told someone who told someone, and they're just getting it uh, you know, at the tail end, and they're never hearing it directly from their teacher. It's like how gossip starts too, right? It, it starts in one way, and then all of a sudden, all these people start talking about it, and you hear it from someone else, and you never really see what happened in the exact situation, and it gets all misconstrued. Uh, it's like this trickle-down effect. And, and you know what the sad reality is? Uh, is that our modern-day church acts a little bit like that. We're, 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 we're filled with believers that kind of play the game telephone with God's Word, where we hear the truth of God's Word from other people, and, and, and we're not always looking into the Word of God to hear it ourselves. We're not always opening up the Bible and saying, let, let me read for myself what the Bible says. Lifeway Research did a, a study a couple years back and uh, they titled their study, Americans are fond of the Bible, but they don't actually read it. And they found that of those who uh, they surveyed, more than half of them uh, read little to none of the Bible. So more than half of them would say, you know, I read uh, a couple verses here and there, and, and I've read a chapter there, but I really can't say I've read from Genesis to Revelation. You know, I can't say that I've really invested time uh, into reading the entire Bible. Uh, another study claimed that 82% uh, of American church attenders only read the scriptures on Sunday mornings. And when they leave, they're not really reading it. Or, or they would even say, like, if you come to a midweek Bible study or a class, you know, you read it there, but, but you're never going home with it. Only about 18% of churchcomers in the U.S. Uh, actually take home the Bible and read it from themselves. 
We live in a culture that is playing the game telephone with the Bible. Our culture gets their word from someone else. And I would beg to argue that sometimes that mentality can creep into our church as well. You know, I've been there as well at times. When life gets busy, sometimes the first thing I cut out is reading the Bible. I don't know why life is like that sometimes. I don't know if you can agree with me, and the Lord's convicted me on that in, in, in the past. But, but sometimes the first thing we cut out is the Word, and we cut out that lifeline. And if we fail to develop the discipline of being grounded on God's Word and reading it, we really begin to set the table for immoral behavior to flow out of our life. Uh, we set the table for, uh, you know, the depletion of, of our spiritual life, and, and we ultimately begin to run the risk of believing things that aren't entirely true, believing doctrines and theologies uh, and, and just things that aren't necessarily in the Bible because we're not in the Word. So if someone tells us something, we have nothing to judge that by because we don't know the Word for ourselves, and that's a dangerous place uh, to be. Solomon, one of the you know, wisest men that have ever lived, he was the king of Israel at one point, he wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, and he said, there's nothing new under the sun. There's literally nothing new. Everything that we walk through, you know, even the pandemic, we're like, this stinks, and we hate it, but we look 100 years ago, and we walked through another, or not we, but people walked through a pandemic at that time. There really is nothing new under the sun. Things happen over and over again, and what's dealt with today has been dealt with time and time again in, in the past. And the Apostle Paul worked through the same exact issues that we are working through as a church. You see, Paul, he knew the power of God's word. Uh, he, 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 was, um, you know, he was a missionary, he was a preacher, he was apostolic, he planted churches, uh, and he knew the power that, that the word of God had. But he also understood the sin issue. He understood the depravity of, 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 of uh, humanity's heart. And so Paul wrote a letter to Timothy right before he passed away. Uh, it was sort of this dying message from, from Paul. He was, um, he was about to you know, be executed for his faith. He was you know, in a Roman prison, um, and, uh, and he began writing to Timothy because he knew his days were drawing near. You see, he had spent his life committed to the gospel, and he never allowed the message of Christ uh, to, 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 um, to fall off of him. He constantly preached it. He constantly lived it out. He constantly preached the whole truth. And he had planted church after church, and Timothy was pastoring one of the churches that he had planted. And he sends this uh, letter to him, and he expresses to him that you're, that you're not to let the word of God fall from you. That you got to keep preaching it, that you got to keep holding on to it. That you got to keep, uh, keep yourself grounded in it, keep your ministry grounded in it, keep your church grounded in the word. And Paul knew very well the issues that Timothy was dealing with. Timothy was in the city called Ephesus, and he was pastoring there. You know, Paul had appointed him as the church uh, in that city, uh, and he knew, he knew the, the issues that were there. There was a lot of, you know, just in the city itself, demonic practices, cultic practices, all sorts of, of just, you know, uh, uh, different kinds of religions and different kinds of just demonic activity, and he knew the darkness that lied in Ephesus, and he also knew the darkness that was starting to creep into the walls of the church. He knew that people were starting to mix and match. Uh, they were starting to create their own gospel. They were trying or, or starting to, you know, take a scripture and then match it with something else that, you know, other religions were doing in the city uh, of Ephesus. And you know what? The same thing that was happening in that time and in that city is happening in our culture today. You know, America really is a modern-day Ephesus. We see a lot of mixing and we see a lot of matching and I believe God is really calling us forward to be a pure church, a church that stands on, on the purity of the Bible, 
that, that we're not going to, you know, change it. We're not going to try to make it match our, our, you know, our, our decisions or what we're wanting to see, but we're going to take Scripture at face value. That, that's what God is calling us to. And so I want to read with you 2 Timothy chapter 1, 13 and 14. It says this, Follow the pattern of sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. The good deposit here that Paul's talking about is the message of Jesus. It's the gospel message, it's the scriptures, it's the Bible. Um, and he's saying, Timothy, guard that good deposit. He charges him to guard it. And if we look through the entire uh, book of 2 Timothy, it was a letter. It takes you about 15 minutes to read, but if you kind of read through it all in one sitting, you would constantly see that emphasis of, Timothy, stay in that lane. Don't depart from it. Guard this book. Guard what I've taught you. Guard the things that Jesus purchased for us on Calvary. Don't let them fall aside. And so I really think there's about three ways, I would say, three ways we guard the good deposit. Um, and, and Paul talks to us and brings us through it uh, in 2 Timothy. But three ways. Uh, and, and the first way, I would say, is a personal task. It's a personal task. It's something we have to personally do on our own. You know, if you believe in Jesus, uh, if, if, you, if you've received salvation and his grace that he's given to you, um, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, right? We all know that the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. And, and Paul says here that by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us, guard the good deposit. So if you have the Holy Spirit abiding in you today, that means this is your responsibility, that God has given you this task to guard the good deposit. That charge is for us. It's a personal uh, responsibility. And we have this great power in our hands. It kind of reminds me of, you know, the first Spider-Man movie back in 2002. Anyone watch that one, the first Spider-Man? Great. Anyone see the new Spider-Man movie? Okay, a lot of us. You know, I said that in first service, and I think we had one person raise their hand. Uh, not many watched it in first service. But this past Spider-Man was probably my favorite Spider-Man ever. Uh, it was a great movie. But in the first Spider-Man, uh, Peter Parker sitting in the car uh, with his Uncle Ben, and uh, Peter Parker just became Spider-Man, and, and uh, Uncle Ben says to him, uh, with great power comes great responsibility. You know, it's, it's a, probably one of the most popular lines that Hollywood ever brought out, but with great uh, power comes great responsibility. Listen, church, we have a, a, a great power in our hands. We have his holy scriptures that were breathed out from God. We, we have this authoritative word that we can use on a day-to-day -day basis, and, and so with that great power, we have this great responsibility to hold true to it. And there's an enemy out in our world that wants nothing more than, than to tear the very word of God. He wants nothing more than to twist it uh, and to change it and to challenge it. And we see that it's not something new. The enemy didn't just start challenging the word of God in 2022. He's been doing it since the very uh, beginning. You know, in, in the Garden of Eden, we see that Adam and Eve are are there. God creates them. He creates everything that we see. He puts them in the garden. He says, you know, be fruitful, multiply, Lord over, uh, you know, Lord over the earth. Um, and, and he says to them one command. He says, but don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so the enemy, as we all know, in Genesis 3 comes and he begins to challenge the very word of God. He begins to challenge. He says, do you, do you really believe that God meant that? Like, don't you want to experience that knowledge, don't you want to be like God? Don't you want to understand 
and experience what he's keeping you from. And he begins to twist the word of God. He challenges it, challenges it and he begins to you know, tempt Adam and Eve to, to eat of that fruit. And we see that they eventually eat of it and, and they fall into sin. And from that time, we always see that the enemy comes to challenge and twist God's word. He wants nothing more than to steal, kill, and destroy. John 10.10 but God has come to give us this abundant life in him. And that's found in Jesus. It's found in his word. And the enemy wants nothing more than to destroy that, to take it from us, to steal it from, uh, from us. And so our role is to guard that good deposit, to guard it for ourselves. And what happens when we don't guard the word? Uh, you know, the first thing is we really begin to see that we start believing in things that aren't entirely true. Like I had mentioned before, you know, Paul, in, 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 in uh, chapter 2, verse 18, uh, he talks about these two people who've departed from the truth, and they're teaching this false doctrine. You know, they, 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 were, they were part of the group that was mixing and, and matching uh, different doctrines and combining them and trying to make something better, uh, which they never really could. Um, and, and Paul says they've abandoned uh, the hope of resurrection. They, they're making their own gospel. They're corrupting God's word. They're teaching a new form of it. And, and, in, and in verse 18, Paul says that these sort of people are ruining the faith. These sort of people are ruining what Jesus had done on Calvary. And, you know, I don't want to be part of those sort of people. I don't want to be a part of a people group that ruins the faith. You know, there's a whole movement of, you know, this deconstruction thought. I don't know if you've heard of that. Like, we're going to deconstruct God's word and, and start tearing it apart and try to figure it out what it says for ourselves. And, and I don't disagree with everything in that deconstruction movement. You know, I think it's good to challenge things. And, and you know, if someone's preaching or someone's teaching or there's, you know, someone talking about a theology uh, principle, uh, I think it's good to challenge that and say, okay, let me look in God's Word. Let me see where it is. You know, it's good to systematically go through God's Word and, uh, and, and try to, you know, challenge what different things people are saying. You know, if you challenge a sermon, that's a good thing because you're going into the Word and you're looking for it yourself and you're beginning to see the truth of it. But, but the wrong thing in that deconstruction movement is people are saying, let me just deconstruct this Word and, and, and see how I can apply some things and not apply some others because maybe it doesn't relate to today's age. You know, maybe it doesn't relate to the decisions I want to make. So let me deconstruct it and take things out. And it's such a sad reality when people start doing that. They really begin to destroy the work of Jesus, and, and I don't want to be part of that. I want the Word of God to deconstruct me. Or I want to read the Word and say, okay, i got to deconstruct this part. Let me rip this out, and let me start walking in a new way. I want God's Word to challenge me and to change me. And Bethel will never be a place or, or a church that will be affiliated with things that are ruining the church. We'll never be a part of, of a movement that begins to try to change God's word. We're committed to preaching the whole truth as, as, as a corporate body, but also personally in our own lives. And when you don't guard the word of God, you set yourself up to fall prey uh, to wrong doctrines, but you also set yourself up to, to fall into you know, different sins. You know, your convictions start to lessen the more and more you stop reading the word of God. In 2 Timothy 3, 1 to 5, I want to read it. Paul begins to talk about the, the sort of people that weren't guarding the scriptures and the different habits and sinful lifestyles they began to develop. Paul said, in the last days there will come difficult times. People will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, 
swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but, not, but denying its power. Avoid such people. Can I quickly note to you what it says here at the end? Avoid these people. You know, I, I constantly see people who always want to challenge everything. Like, we want to constantly debate and constantly argue. You know, you have those toxic Facebook commenters that are behind the computer, like, I'm going to lash out at this person because they're saying, you know, something that I don't agree with. You know, that I'm part of this, uh, uh, of this um, uh, Facebook group um, that's affiliated with my, co- my Bible college that a lot of us pastors went through. Um, it's, uh, you know, one of the Bible college graduates made it, and, and they constantly just post all sorts of, like, doctrines or beliefs they're talking about. And, like, people are just so nasty towards one another. They're just toxic in their commenting, toxic in their conversations with one another. And you just see that all over uh, Facebook and just all these social sites where we just have the ability now, we don't have to confront them face-to-face, but we can write them these nasty comments on Facebook or Instagram or anything like that. Um, and the Bible constantly teaches this, this, uh, this way of avoiding sometimes, that we don't have to confront everything. Even Jesus, he knew the times where he needed to confront he knew the times where he had to stand on that hill and, and stand his ground, right? He was in the temple, and he flipped tables, and he said, this isn't right. Uh, but he also knew times where he needed to avoid, right? He was, one time he was in a city, and then the leaders of the city uh, and the Jewish leaders were coming to challenge him and ask them questions, and all of a sudden, Jesus just disappeared, and he went out of the city, and people said, where did Jesus go? And Jesus avoided a whole conflict. And, and there's, this, there's really this teaching and this lifestyle that we need to lead that sometimes we don't need to challenge everything. We don't need to die on every hill, uh, but it's good to avoid such things, as Paul is saying here in 2 Timothy. But but, uh, but in any regard, when we don't guard the good deposit, when we don't guard God's word, we set ourselves up to fall into sin uh, of, of all sorts. All of a sudden, we begin to say, oh man, like I, all of a sudden, I'm prideful. I, I'm arrogant. I'm abusive. I, I feel like I'm not always loving good anymore. I'm not uh, always pleasing God, but I'm rather pleasing myself. And we begin to look at ourselves and say, how am I drifting to all these sorts of things? And and a lot of times it's because I'm not abiding in the word. I'm not saying in the word on a day-to-day basis. I'm not, you know, living it out. I'm not reading it and allowing it uh, to just, you know, uh, just fill my life. And, And so I'm not living according to the filter of scripture. I'm living according to the filter of the world. And so it's the word of God that keeps you on the straight and narrow. It's God's, word that, it's God's word that keeps you on that path of purity and that path of goodness and righteousness. Paul said in uh, 2 Timothy 3.16, All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. You see, the Bible is, is the most powerful book ever written. It's, it's literally inspired by God. It was written by human hands, but it was, uh, it, it was initiated by the very voice of God. The Bible is God's spoken word uh, from him to us. It's his message from him to us. And if we're ever struggling to hear God's word, I always say just open up the Bible and listen to what he's saying. Because I, I don't always need to get a prophetic word or, you know, find some word from someone. But I can literally open the scriptures and hear a God-breathed message to me that will apply to my daily life. Because it's always applicable in every season. But God's word, it's, it's profitable. It's good for uh, teaching me. You know, it tells you things you didn't know before. And every time uh, I kind of read through the word, there's, there's scriptures that I'll read uh, repetitively. Like, I'll go back to it, and I'll read the same scripture. And, and there's times when that word will speak to me in a different regard. Like, I'm going through a different season. I'm going through a different situation or trial. And God's beginning to speak to me through that same verse but in a different setting, in a different situation. And so God's word really stands the test of time. 
It teaches me in every season. It shows me things I didn't know before. And it also, it challenges me. It challenges you by, it gets in your face and it says, you know, you're saying you believe this, but you're not really living it out. It challenges you really to put action to, um, to, to the things you believe. It corrects you. Uh, it, it shows you the exposed or exposes the messed up areas of your life and, and the things that you need to correct and, and the things that you need to uh, let go of. And, and finally, it trains you in righteousness. It shows you how to live a completely new way. Uh, it's countercultural. It goes against what culture says, and it shows you the way that God designed our lives really to be. And so if you want to stay rooted, you want to stay pure before God, continue in what you have learned. Continue in what, what God did in your life at, at the start, right? He, he saved you, he, he, gave, he you know, forgave you of your sins, um, and God wants us to continue in that, to let the word that we heard at the beginning be the same word we hear now and not to depart from it. So how do we actively stay rooted in God? Because sometimes, you know, the Bible can really be confusing. Sometimes you could read a passage and, like, have no idea what's, what's going on. There's a lot of times where I'll read a passage and not really understand it. Uh, and a lot of times that's because it was written in a different time period. There was different technologies and, and cultural ways of living. Uh, and, 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 for example, like, I read Mark chapter 11 once, and I remember seeing Jesus getting up. It talks about how he gets up. Uh, he's uh, hungry, and he wants breakfast. He goes out. He looks at a fig tree. And he's trying to find a fig so he can have breakfast. And there's no figs in the tree. So he uh, looks at the tree, curses it, and says, you're not going to bear fruit ever again. No one's going to enjoy your fruit. He walks away. And then all of a sudden, the passage switches over. And it goes to a completely different story. And it's like, Jesus, like, what is going on here? Like, why, why do I have this passage here? Why are you cursing a fig tree? Like, what, what, what's going on? And so sometimes there's passage in the, is passages in the Bible where you come to a place where you're just a little confused and you need some guidance. Uh, and so there's some helpful steps that, that I want to talk to you about uh, briefly. The first thing is uh, to get a study Bible. You know, get a, a study Bible is, is great because uh, at, at, the, at the bottom of each page, there's some uh, descriptions and, and some paragraphs that help to break down the text that's above. It helps to break down the verses uh, that you're reading through. And so I would say purchase a study Bible. There, you can find them on Amazon, Christian Book. Uh, one study Bible that's really great is the ESV uh, study Bible, and so you can look into that one. Uh, I would also say journal. Journal the things you're reading. Uh, write down scriptures that are speaking to you. Uh, you know, if you read the Word of God and all of a sudden, you know, you feel the Lord just moving you in, in, into a particular verse or it's, you know, talking to you in a specific, uh, uh, a specific way, uh, really journal that. Write it down and allow the Lord to just speak to you uh, in that regard, and you can always reflect back to it. Um, I would say use a commentary or, uh, um, uh, you know, Bible studies like that. Uh, commentaries are full books that, you know, break down verse by verse the scriptures. They break down the scriptures so that you can understand the cultural context, uh, the historical context. It will give you, uh, you know, the, the Bible is written in Greek and in Hebrew. Um, so you, you can uh, really kind of see some definitions for those Greek words or Hebrew words, and it will give you more insights Two commentaries that are really good is the Believer's Bible Commentary by William McDonald. Uh, it's a one-volume commentary. It's like a thousand pages or so, and, and it just goes from Genesis to Revelation. It's a great tool just to have at home. If I don't understand a verse, I can quickly open it and see a little explanation uh, for the verse I'm reading. Another commentary set is the Expositors. Uh, it's, you know, multiple volumes, uh, but another, it's another good set that really dives in a little bit deeper uh, than the Believer's Bible Commentary. And then finally, joining a life group. 
you know, getting involved here. We have, you know, leaders, uh, life group leaders here that, um, that really just want to help you and guide you and pour into your life. Uh, each life group is designed to be, uh, you know, have times of teaching and times of uh, just learning something new together, but also discussion. You know, it allows you, on a Sunday morning, you can't really always break down things, uh, you know, while we're here and, and just, you know, hearing a message. Uh, but in the life groups, you can. You can talk about it. You know, you can ask questions. You, you can uh, just have those discussions that you're, you're uh, just looking to have or questions that you're wanting to ask. And so joining a life group is, is really great uh, to help you grow in your walk with the Lord. But you have a role to play. You don't have to be a ministry to, to receive this charge, but you really have a role to play wherever you are. God has called you to guard the good deposit in your personal life. Dive deep into God's word. Learn it. Hold it close. Three ways we, we guard the good deposit. Number one, it was a personal task. And number two, it's, it's a corporate task. It's something we as a church together commit to. It's something we as a church want to walk in uh, as one body. Bethel is a church committed to guarding the good deposit. We are a Bible-based church. Uh, R. Ken Hughes, he, he wrote this in uh, in regards to what Paul was writing. He said, Paul's directive was explicit. The gospel was to be entrusted to faithful leaders who would teach the word. And that's how God has always gone about uh, his mission. He's always appointed leaders and appointed churches and appointed teams of people that would teach and preach God's word. The letter to Timothy uh, was, was just showing this. It was showing that Timothy was an appointed leader and he had a team of people that were teaching uh, in Ephesus, and God had called them, he had appointed them uh, to pastor there, to lead there. And so we as a church, too, we have had appointed leaders here for 50 years. At the end of this year, we're going to be celebrating uh, our 50th anniversary in, in November, and we're so excited to celebrate all together for what God has done throughout the years. But Bethel has been here for 50 years, and, and we've been a church that has been grounded on the Word of God. There's been different pastors, different leaders that have been here, but, but all throughout God's Word has been the foundation. God's Word has been taught in every single aspect. God will always appoint men and women to take His Word and to teach it effectively. And we see that model in, in, in the early church. You know, the early church was a people group that came together on a weekly basis, and they, and they, and they, and they spent time in the Word together. It wasn't just a self-help group that came together on a weekly basis. We're not a self-help group that just comes and just, you know, has some worship and it feels nice and it feels happy and we hear just an encouraging, motivational word and we come to a life group in the middle of the week and we're encouraged again. That's not all that it's about. We're getting into the authoritative word of God that has the power to challenge, to shift us, to, to motivate us, to bring us forward. It's not just another word from another human because we can get that on a podcast. We can get that by watching a video, by going to a conference. We, we can get motivated in so many other areas. We're not here just to get motivated. We're here uh, to get changed by the Word of God together. Bethel commits to being a place where God's Word speaks and not our own Word. Because we realize, really, we realize that God's Word is, is breathed out. It's authoritative. And so when, when there's sermons being preached and Pastor Eric is up here or, or someone else is bringing the Word, uh, it, it's a word delivered from God's, uh, from, from the scriptures. It's not just something that we want to talk about, but it's delivered from the scriptures, and that's in every setting, in our life groups, uh, in, in Echo Youth, and uh, Ascent Young Adults, in our kids' ministry, in our men's and women's ministry. Wow, all, all of our different ministries are grounded on the word of God where we are saying, let's let God's word speak. Let's, say, let's see what he wants to say. We're a church that is committed uh, to, to, to standing upon the, the Bible. We're a Bible-believing church. 
We're a church that stands on the word of God and proclaims his promises uh, in every season. We're a church that believes uh, that God's word is active and it's our ever-present help in times of trouble. We're a church that believes that the Bible is inspired and is applicable for us today. That's how we have operated for, for many years and that's how we are going to continue to operate in, in every season. And so I really encourage you, get involved in what God is doing here. You know, get involved in, 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 uh, in, in the different aspects of our different ministries. Uh, you know, bring your families, get them involved, bring your youth students to youth and young adults, young adults, kids to the kids ministry because we're really believing that God is going to bring so, uh, such change and revival. We're believing that God is going to move in our midst and it's not anything that we're doing, but it's everything that he wants to do through his word. And I, I don't want to be part of that 82 or that 18%, yeah, 82%. I don't want to be part of the 82% that doesn't take home God's word. You know, I want to be part of that 18% that walks in it in a day-to-day basis. You know, let's make that 100% here at Bethel, that we come together on a Sunday morning, we worship together, but we're taking it home and we're growing in it, and, and, and we're allowing the word of God to change us. Three ways that we guard the good deposit. It's a personal task, it's a corporate task, and finally this, it's a Holy Spirit-led task. This is where, you know, my sermon, Pastor Eric's sermon, kind of connects a little bit. It's a Holy Spirit-led task. Paul tells us that in verse one, ver, uh, uh, chapter 1, verse 14. Guard through the Holy Spirit who lives within us. We guard it by the Holy Spirit. It's through His direction, it's through His discernment, it's through His help that we're able to guard the truth of the Scriptures. And at the end of the day, it really is God himself who ensures the success of his mission. It's God himself, because we can be a church that's grounded on God's word and, and, and constantly walk in it. But the reality is that there is people out there that isn't necessarily guarding it like we are trying to. Right? There, there's there's uh, movements and people that are trying to do all sorts of things. And the enemy's challenging God's word, um, and, and he's bringing confusion, he's bringing doubt. And there's so much, you know, shifting in, in what the Word of God looks like in the world. People are trying to say, I can do this, this, and that, and still be a believer. And so there's a thought of, like, what's going to happen to the Word of God, right? Is, is it going to really remain true? Because I can do my part, but I don't always have power to control everybody else in the world. But the reality is God's Word has stood the test of time. Kingdoms have come, they've gone. Nations have risen and fallen Leaders have risen and fallen. There's been economic waves of prosperity and goodness, and there's been economic waves of depression. But through it all, God's word has remained. Through, through every single season, God's word has remained. Since Jesus died on that cross until now, the message of Christ is still the same. We're still believing in the same thing, no matter what has happened. Are we looking to like 100 years or 80 years ago or so when, when Nazi Germany was here and they were doing all sorts of things, and it was a demonic movement, that was tearing apart so much. But through even that, God's word remained. And we look all the way back to the beginning, to the early church. The, 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 uh, the apostles were sent out. Jesus ascended into heaven. It was their turn to go out and spread the good news. And they were empowered by the Holy Spirit to do it. But guess what? Right when they walked out, right when Jesus empowered them and he, and he sent them out, they were immediately uh, uh, faced with persecution of all sorts. During the, uh, the Roman Empire, the church was heavily persecuted right in the beginning by, uh, by Nero, the emperor. And he heavily persecuted the church in so many different ways. 
You know, one way he was, is that he would take Christians, he'd put them into gladiator matches, and, and, uh, and, and, and he'd have animals come and, and eat them alive. Right? And then he would take some of their dead carcasses and put them on human torch or, or torches, and there were these uh, human torches that were lit up to light the way uh, in his palace. He did some terrible and just nasty things to those who, who believed in Jesus. He was a terrible leader and just, a, uh, just really was, I think, just demonically driven to do these crazy things. But even then, God's word wasn't destroyed. It wasn't, it wasn't uh, messed up. It, it was, of course, it had, it's tampered with, and it was, you know, people tried to destroy it. The enemy has tried to, but God's word has stood the test of time, and I believe that we can find peace in that. We can find peace that the Holy Spirit will never let the word of God be shut up. It will constantly go, and it will constantly be delivered in power. It's never going to change. God will ensure the success of his mission. He's going to use us, too. Right? He appoints us, and he, and, and he gives us his word, and he says, all right, you're going to take it, and you're going to guard it. But guess what? Like, I, I'm strong, too. You know, God is strong. He, 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 can, he can hold his own. And so he's going to protect his word, and he's going to use us as well as partners uh, to do that. But the charge to Timothy was this. It was to guard the good deposit, to guard it in his church, to guard it in, in his personal life, to teach people, to, to grow in the word. And that's our charge too today, that we are to guard the good deposit through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not on our own, but it's through God's power. And so this morning, if you wanted to stand with me, and let's just give God one great big praise this morning. Lord, we thank you, Father, today. We thank you for your word. We thank you that it was delivered to us, God, that we can be changed, that we can be uh, just challenged by it. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the word that you gave to us. You know, church, we need to be careful uh, that we don't play the game telephone with God's word. Because the reality, it's, it's true. Like, we've seen that. And I'm sure you've seen it in your own life. And, and I don't want to be a believer that just lives uh, my life off of people's leftovers. Where people kind of get their own feeling and they're just excited and they tell me. And that's great. Like, I want people to tell me what they're learning and hear their, uh, their praise reports and hear what God's doing. But, but I can't live my Christian life off of that. It's not good. And I, I don't like leftovers very much. I, I like having my own meal and something new and fresh. And so I don't want to live off of other people's leftovers in my life. And so this year we're, we're, we're uh, going through a Bible plan together in the YouVersion app. Uh, if you haven't you know, subscribed to it, you've been emailed. Uh, and so you can you know, find that email and just subscribe with us. It's a great way just to, to read the Word together, to actively walk out in it together. Um, and, and if you don't want to use the YouVersion app, at the help desk in the lobby, uh, we have some paper copies that you can take and just read with us. I know it's already January 16th, so if you haven't started, you're a little bit behind. But you can make up those 16 days very easily. Uh, so join us. Let's get in the Word together uh, this year. And the other thing is, if you don't have a Bible, uh, if you don't have your own Bible that you can say it's mine, that I can read it, uh, we have some Bibles for you for free. Uh, this morning, there's going to be an usher at the back door. Uh, that will be passing those Bibles out. Uh, so if you need a Bible today, as you go, as you walk out this morning, you can take one of those and just use it in your own. You know, take notes in it, highlight in it. It's your book. It's your word that you can just allow to fill you on a day-to-day -day basis. But before you go today, I want to I pray for you. And then Pastor Noah is going to lead us in, in a song. But this morning, if, if you feel like you want to take that, uh, this charge personally, you know, it's, it's good to talk about it, but... But if you want that charge really to be something you're going to walk in this week, 
and you're going to walk in 2022, I just want to ask you to just lift your hands up and say, you know, just as a sign that God, I'm surrendered, I'm open, and I'm, I'm ready to be filled by your word this year. I know I've, uh, sometimes I've neglected to, sometimes I haven't been so faithful to read it uh, and, and so faithful to invest in it, but this year I want to do that. This year I, I, I want to just really grow in your word. And so God, uh, you see everyone who's raising their hands now, you see those who are just wanting to commit, Lord, to reading your word. I pray that you would just bless them today. God, that you would give them a, a hunger to read your word, Lord. God, that you would begin to increase a, a desire to, to just grow in your word, to learn from it, God. That it wouldn't just be another book they read, but that we would just commit to reading that word that is inspired by you, that's breathed out by you. God, I pray that you would speak to us by your word, that you would teach us, that you would correct us, that you would challenge us, that you would train us in righteousness, God. Help us to be, uh, to be zoned into your word, that we wouldn't be, uh, you know, living by the filter of the world, but we would live by the filter of the Holy Scriptures, God. That, you would, that we wouldn't lose convictions this year, God, but that we would gain convictions, God. That we would uh, just grow stronger in our commitment to you, God. That we wouldn't say how close I can get to the line, but, but really um, stay as far away from the line of sin as possible. And would you do that through your word? Would you show us, would you convict us, would you help us to grow in righteousness, God? I pray that Bethel would be a place that is grounded on your word. And I know we are, Father God, but I pray we would never depart from that. That your word would always remain sacred, God. That your word would always remain um, just the foundation, God. That in everything we do, everything we teach, and all of our ministries, would your word be the foundation, God. Because we know, that God, if we depart, our church is going to fail in, 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 in the near future, God. But if we stand upon your word, we know there's truth to it. We know there's a firm foundation that we can stand on. And I pray, God, that the Holy Spirit would really direct us in these matters. That the Holy Spirit would really guide us in uh, these matters, God. I pray that uh, we would listen to your Holy Spirit, God. That if we're reading scriptures that are, that are uh, just tough or hard to understand, would your Holy Spirit just illuminate us, show us, lead us, uh, and just speak to us in those moments, God. We know that you can, Lord. We know that your Holy Spirit, uh, you know, the, the, the word of God was breathed out by God. Your spirit breathed it out. Uh, but your spirit is abiding in us when we read it. So we know that you can help us in those moments as well, Father. So uh, we just pray, God, that as we read, as we grow in your word, uh, that you would just lead us and empower us by your Holy Spirit, Lord. And we pray these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Pastor Noah. Thanks for tuning in to the Bethel Christian Church Message of the Week. Head to BethelCC.org to stay up to date with everything that's going on at Bethel Christian Church.